Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Uh, hi, I'm Mats Wilander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. We've missed you. Have you missed us? How are you doing, Catherine? I am very well, thanks. It is good to be back in the Tennis Podcast chair. <laughs> it is, isn't it? Sun is shining. It is May. That means the clay court season is well and truly underway. The grass court season is on the horizon. And uh, more importantly than that, the Catherine Whitaker and brother rivalry is in full flow. I understand there was another episode yesterday. There was. There was a rather long-awaited episode yesterday, and we actually... It was a bit of a misjudged jaunt to play tennis because it was it was the LTA's... Um, what was the name of it? The Play Tennis Weekend. The Great British Tennis Weekend, I think you'll find, where everybody who wanted to could play tennis for free at various sites around the country, and there are going to be many more of them before and after Wimbledon. And so what you're telling me is you couldn't get a court... <laughs> Yes, irony of ironies, we failed to get a court, at our, which is a wonderful thing. We were almost delighted not to get a court because the reason for it was that there were so many kids queuing up to play tennis that it was all booked up until six o'clock. So we were more than fine. But anyway, we had to try three different sets of courts before we eventually... But that is our commitment to the cause. Um, and uh, I'll keep talking about this so I don't have to mention any kind of result or... Oh, yeah, who won? Uh, well, it's, the result is a foregone conclusion. OK, what happened in the match, generally? What was the sort of the feel to it? Before we get to the result, we'll soften the blow by talking about the excuses first. It's not about the result, David. It's about, it's about the journey. It's, about the, uh, it's, not, it's not the end destination, it's the journey. And it was a very enjoyable game of tennis in the sun. That's, that's what it was, and that's all that listeners need to know. Was it two sets? Yeah, I mean, I, I barely get a Did game you with my brother. But but can it go on the record that he's six foot five and um, you know a male? So no, it can't. <laughs> Absolutely, it cannot go on the record. But uh, anyway, Catherine has tried to place it on that record. So aside from that, the uh, the working progress goes on. I've got a couple of tips, Catherine, that that can probably help you out. Number one, cheat. I've tried that. I spent a whole childhood trying that technique. My brother's wise to it now. Does it doesn't work? Oh well, not to worry. Uh, Catherine uh, has been more successful in watching and working within tennis, if not playing it. Well, we'll get on to talking about uh, tennis in the world today uh, in just a, a moment or two. But uh, before we get on to, to anything else um, tennis related and Queens and French Open and all that kind of thing, 
It's been a very emotional time, obviously, uh, over the past few weeks in British tennis, learning about the passing of Elena Baltaccia. And like everyone else, the thoughts of Catherine and myself are very much with Elena's family and friends. We'd also like to remind everybody listening that there is something tangible you can do in Bally's memory. One of her greatest achievements has been the Elena Baltaccia Academy of Tennis, which gives young people a chance to play the sport, many of whom wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to play. And as a result, the Rally for Bali has been set up to raise money for her legacy, that being to keep the academy going and to keep it thriving. So 50% of the proceeds of Rally for Bali will go to the academy, 50% will go to the Royal Marsden Cancer Charity to keep up the fight against cancer. And the main crux of the fundraising will take place on the 15th of June when mixed doubles matches will be played at Queen's, Birmingham and Eastbourne with Andy Murray, Martina Navratilova and many other stars of British and world tennis. People like Anne Kiyothavong and Ross Hutchins will be at Queen's. Obviously, he's the tournament director as well now. And there'll be many other players taking part in mixed doubles matches at each one of those events. So do please support the Rally for Bali by donating at www.justgiving.com forward slash rally for Bali. The rest of the tennis world, Catherine, has been in full flow since we, uh, since we last spoke. And um, as recently as yesterday, incredible match again between Nadal and Djokovic. And is Djokovic just about getting the upper hand now? Well, it's hard to think not. But every time I think that, I do just have to stop myself and think it could be different over five sets there is a difference in their matches over five sets to over three sets I do think dare I say it he seems to have Nadal's measure over three sets um, I think it's five wins in a row now for Djokovic over Nadal which I know not all of those are on clay but the fact that any of them have been on clay I think is quite telling um, and possibly that's in Nadal's mind now I don't know he I mean Nadal doesn't look he doesn't look 100% in the way he has done in the past. But in the past, non-100% Nadal has been enough on clay still to, to bulldoze the opposition. I just wonder if that tide has shifted by 1% and that 1% is now enough for Djokovic to go in as favourite to the French. Oh, favourite. Well, I did look at the, the bookies' odds just before we, we came on air today and there was so little in it. I think Nadal was the favourite at 6-4, to four. And Djokovic was at seven to four, so just a fraction outside. And I think there is that that five set record, plus the fact that you've got to bear in mind, this is the tenth time Rafael Nadal has played at the French Open. He's lost one match. One match in ten appearances. He's trying for his ninth title. Last year, Djokovic probably should have won against him. Semi-finals, upper break, in the fifth set. Still, Nadal managed to call on those superhuman resources of his and get over the finish line. So what are you saying, Catherine? How seriously are you taking this? Are you predicting Djokovic to win the French Open as we sit here? A couple of weeks away? What are we, a week away? I, th I thought we were doing predictions at the end, David. Uh, well, you know. More time. I, uh, I'm not sure that I am, actually. I mean, there's, there's two different... There's this sort of macro momentum, which is that Rafa has won the French Open nine times and just has an overwhelming momentum at that place and there's the micro momentum which is in Djokovic's favour you know over the past few months and as you say since last year when he, he really should have won that match in the semi-final 
It's difficult, isn't it? You look a fool to bet against Nadal at Roland Garros, no matter what. Well, I don't look a fool because I don't bet against him, you see. That does have to end some time. It does. That is a fact. Does it, though? You think he's going to be 45 and winning Roland Garros? Is that your prediction? I'm predicting that he hangs up his racket undefeated a little bit. No, he did lose the one, but he was slightly injured against Robin Soderling. I'd say two more. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think that's unrealistic at all. In fact, I think that's more likely than not to happen. And I do just feel, although on paper, I do think quite possibly Djokovic is just the favourite now. I, I just don't think I can bet against Rafa in Paris. I, I just don't think I can bring myself to do that. So, boringly, I'll go for Rafa as well. Catherine, how are you being stared at? Because we're sitting in a public place at the moment and because we're chatting about tennis on microphone, we keep getting some very funny looks. Maybe they don't agree with our predictions. No, it's because they're all fans, David. It's because they, they've all gathered to see, uh, to see it live. The tennis podcast live in action. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. Um, many other interesting things have happened in recent weeks. And of course, Nadal did get over the finish line in Madrid. But, and I felt that the reaction was slightly over the top about people almost declaring his demise on the way, even though he'd won the title. But, you know, I, I think we've seen this before and always come back to what Andy Murray said a year ago on the, on the eve of... Nadal against Djokovic in the semi-finals he pointed out at Roland Garros the court surrounds are so big that he has so much room to get around the ball and create these ridiculous angles oh, somebody disagrees with me over in the fire <laughs> isn't there? Uh, but um, the, 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 the court surrounds are so big that he can create angles and space and put people in parts of the court that they can do nothing and that's what, what makes him so difficult to play against. I agree. I, th I think that's a really good point because it's not just the intangible factors that give Nadal um, the momentum and, the, and the, um, the power in Paris. There are practical factors as well, that being probably the biggest one that people don't generally account for. People think it's more he owns that court, you know, it's the fact that he's never, well, he's lost there once, but he probably doesn't really count that one in his mind. But there are as you say, practical elements, the, the court speed, surface, everything about it suits him. And as you say, that, that um, distance behind, behind the baseline and to the sides plays perfectly into his hands. It means that balls are in his hitting zone, which on other courts perhaps wouldn't be. It's a different kettle fish altogether. I actually think, uh, I think Murray should have won that match against Rafa. I know that's so much easier said than done, but he had it on his racket. And, you know, he is a ch I really think he should have... He played well enough to win that match. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I mean, even playing the same, playing as well with the same mentality, I, I wouldn't... And even having seen that match in Rome, which I think Murray should have won, I think he had his measure, I wouldn't give Murray much of a hope in, in five sets against Rafa if, if the draw throws them together. Maybe a set, just possibly, but I, I wouldn't give him much of a hope, frankly. You've been a bit harsh on poor old Andy Murray there, aren't you? You should have won. He's just had the toughest 12 months of his career coming back after the Wimbledon title, trying to find his form again. He's just put in a performance like that, and you're still giving him a hard time. I, yeah, I don't necessarily mean that as a criticism of Andy Murray. I think there's more positives than negatives to take. He played, he played sensationally, and in terms of a marker of his progress, it is a, it is a big deal. Win or lose, that performance was a big deal. But I, 
I do. He could. He could have won that match. He really could have done. And I bet you he feels the same. You're underestimating Rafael Nadal's brilliance when he's in trouble. Surely four-two down or whatever it was you said, and he manages to come back and win. That's a, a sign of his greatness. Absolutely, I don't disagree with you. And it's not a sign of Murray's lack of greatness that he didn't didn't win. I'm just saying four-two up, third set. He had it on his racket. He will be pretty damn annoyed that he didn't win that match. She's a hard judge, Catherine Whittaker. Sorry, Andy, you know, I'm trying my best here. Um, but generally speaking, Andy Murray will be very pleased with where he's come out of Rome, won't he? Because it's been a tough year for him. I mean, look, he's had a fantastic time of it. Won Wimbledon, you know, been given all the plaudits, Sports Personality of the Year. But as a tennis player, he's not only had to deal with back surgery and, and everything that goes with that, both physically and psychologically trying to get back to a, a level where he feels like he used to but also I suspect it's just a bit difficult to recalibrate the mind as to who you are as a tennis player what is it you're trying to achieve now because he's not the machine that Nadal and Djokovic are these incredible winning machines yeah I think that I think that's a really good point actually he's almost more sensitive to circumstances and surrounds he's got a sensitive soul Andy Murray in sort of every way as you as you say Federer Djokovic Nadal they are quite machine-like if I say automaton I don't mean that in an, in the negative sense they've obviously got personality but they are they seem impervious to circumstances and you know they just are who they are they play how they play um, yes, they have off days, but it's sort of in their hands. Murray seems a lot more sensitive to 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 what to his circumstances, to what's going on around him, and becoming Wimbledon champion and all the hoo-ha that went along with that. Wonderful as it was, he's just straight off. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing. Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro. And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. 
Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait. Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. So that has actually, you know, in a practical sense, what changes? He still has to go back out there and play 250s, 500s, 1000s. And I think, as you say, recalibration, I think, is a really good word what he's going through physically and mentally now. I just got a compliment for my big word. <laughs> Feeling good about life. Um, Rome generally is also a good time to come alive, isn't it? Because there's the French Open coming up. Not much expected of Andy Murray. And then the Aegon Championships at Queen's on the horizon. And he always seems like a different animal when he comes through the gates there. And frankly, it's not surprising when I, I walked over there the other week and it's just if the sun shines and yeah I know that's not exactly guaranteed but when it does pretty special place to come and realize it's that time of year again yeah when the sun shines on queens you feel like the world is lit up don't you it's it's a very very special place and you feel like the players feel that as well is this a good time to brag about us being ATP 250 event of the year. Does is, is that feel like a, a perfect uh, segue into that? Who'd have thought I'd just created it perfectly <laughs> so that that would happen? Um, but no, obviously we should uh, we should just put on record that we actually work for the Aegon Championships. I'm the media director at the tournament and Catherine's part of the team too. But uh, yes, despite the fact that I've spent most of my uh, life since uh, childhood at that uh, tournament, it, it's... It is a special place and uh, and it is a great tournament. And yeah, we got the 250 Tournament of the Year award uh, after 10 years of domination by the brilliant Swedish event in Bostad. But um, generally speaking, I think we are divided on what we think will happen at the French Open on the men's side. You're going for Djokovic? No, I'm going for Nadal? Absolutely not. No, no I, I, it is on record that I'm going for Nadal. By a whisker, I'm going for Nadal. I emphasise whisker. <laughs> OK. Well, I think we're both going for Nadal, which, um, given the fact that he's won nine out of the last ten, or whatever it is, eight out of the last nine, um, he will certainly go in as the favourite, albeit very marginally so. Our young favourite, Grigor Dimitrov, who can be named and perhaps can't be called young for much longer now that he's turned the uh, ancient age of 23, but he is starting to look ever more the real deal isn't he I mean he's not far off top 10 it is happening I think I think it's safe to say to a a greater or lesser extent we were right it is happening (laughs) he now is dare I say a solid top 20 player and solid was the word that was missing from a description of him a year two years ago maybe less than that Um, so this is this is a big 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 step for Dimitrov and now and I feel like the step from top 20 to top 10 is almost less of a step it was becoming that solid top 20 player that was the really big step for him I feel like now it's only natural his talent will take him into the top 10 now now he's mastered the bit of the consistency and the mental aspect of it surely his talent will carry him at the least to the top 10 he should go further but um 
I'm so reluctant to predict that. It'd be nice to see him have a run on grass, wouldn't it? And actually, because he's largely disappointed. He had that brilliant match against uh, Joe Wilfred Songa a few years ago at Wimbledon, five sets. Songa went on to the latter stages. But Dimitrov, for somebody who won the juniors there, I, I mean, I know everybody rolls their eyes at comparisons to Federer, but Federer also won the juniors there and took his time before making his mark at, uh, on the seniors game in as much as when he beat Sampras, you know, he had a couple of first round losses before that against Mario Ancic, he lost to Yevgeny Kofelnikov I remember as well and I, I think it's about time Dimitrov showed his best self on grass as well, he has of course reached the semi-finals at Queen's too in the past yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, um, yes, we can't really refer to him as a youngster anymore. However, 22 is in tennis, in men's tennis, is what 18 was 10, 15 years ago. The game has moved on. You know, players are maturing later. And so I don't think there's any shame in him not reaching this stage until 22, 23. However, he's reached it now. It is time. It is time. He has the means. And I do think Wimbledon could be... I mean, I use the word open very tentatively because obviously there are some players who will be by far favourites. Who is the favourite for one of them right at the moment? I mean, that's a difficult well, one, isn't it? Nadal's the world number one, but the bloke hasn't got past the second round for the last two years and he's had problems with his knees. Djokovic lost in the final last year to Murray. So is Murray the favourite? Yet yeah, he hasn't had a very good year. He hasn't won a title since. Roger Federer has made this extraordinary comeback under Stefan Edberg and has won seven of the things. Who's the favourite? Well, this is what I mean. I mean, I think most likely Djokovic will go in as favourite, provided something disastrous doesn't happen at Roland Garros. I think whether provided he's a finalist or winner at Roland Garros, I think he will go into Wimbledon as a favourite. But by no means will he be unbeatable, I don't think. I don't think there's anybody at Wimbledon that somebody like Dimitrov will walk on court against and not think, I, I could have this. And I think that's really key. And not just Dimitrov, I think there's a few others, you know, just challenging that could think, you know, this, this could be a year for somebody to break through. I feel like I've said that before, as I'm saying. Oh, just the 12 times. <laughs> um, another young fella who has certainly shown ability recently and, and I think he's qualified about seven times successfully this year and he also beat Stanislav Wawrinka a couple of weeks ago is Dominic Thiem of Austria who's almost like a mini Wawrinka has this massive beautiful single-handed backhand there's a bit of philippusis about the way he hits the ball as well for me albeit he's a lot smaller in physical stature but what have you made of his ascent so far I think he's really exciting I agree. I know you are particularly excited by him. It's not that I'm not excited. I do think he looks impressive and he's very good to watch. And I like to see players, it's great to see him consistently qualifying for things and really grinding his way up that way. Um, I think, um, I think Grigor, if you're listening, David has abandoned you now that you've made it into the Stand top on. He's now jumping on a, a new youngster's bandwagon he's so contrary aren't you David you have to you have, no, I'm to, not. Have, you have to pick someone that nobody else is you know you have to be tipping somebody you can't be uh so yeah Grigor if you I liked him before everybody else liked yeah. him yeah yeah that's the key for you isn't it um but he'll be at Queen's which would be really good to see I think it'll be really interesting 
It will. Indeed, it will. And uh, on the women's side, Maria Sharapova had an excellent win in Stuttgart. And um, then the usual happened. Serena Williams came along and decided she was going to win everything. And she's beaten uh, Simona Halep and uh, then Sarah Arani in the final in Rome. So she's won Madrid and Rome. And, well, what s strikes me is that that's probably her least favorite surface. And yet she's still the best player in the world by some margin. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got Serena, absolutely her least favourite service surface, against Sara Irani, by far her favourite service surface, um, and obviously in, in very much the peak of her career, and it's, it's just not a contest, um, really, when they play one another. Um, and that probably is as illustrative as, as anything else. It, it says it all, and it all seems to be at Serena's whim what happens. Um, and for me, that is mostly reason to celebrate Serena because I, I think the, the women's game, you, you see some cracking matches. It's just not that many of them involve her because she's too good. Absolutely. It, it's, she is quite sensational. I mean, I think, I think she's most vulnerable in Paris um, of, of an early stage. If she's vulnerable at all, um, she'd be most vulnerable to a real surprise early upset. I think if she gets through to the quarters semis, I just don't see her losing. I, I think it would have to be a, a Virginie Rosano type, type event for her to lose. That, I do think there's just a, a sneak of a chance that that could happen, but, but slim. Particularly at the slams, because if we think about it, you know, she did lose at Wimbledon last year. She's lost at the Australian Open this year. So it's, it's strange in a way that um, maybe it's because of physical factors come into it as well, but also people like Sabina Lezicki and Anna Ivanovic this year played the matches of their life when they would most want to, haven't they? And, and knocked her out. But uh, we look forward very much to the French Open, which starts in less than a week now, uh, just a few days away. Uh, you will be going there, won't you, Catherine? Will be. Do you know what? It's my first time in Roland Garros. Not my first time in Paris. I've been there a few times, but my it's the only slam I haven't been to. It's, I've never been. Yeah, it's it's very odd that we haven't been. But there we go. I'll be holding up the tennis podcast. Will have representation <laughs> at Roland Garros this year for once. Hooray! <laughs> it will indeed. And after that, you'll be off to uh, well, you'll be coming to Queens uh, to work at that event, and then going to the ATP Champions Tour event, the Champions of Tennis in Edinburgh, with John McEnroe coming to town with Goran Ivanisevic and Tim Henman. So if you do want to see those guys in action, there are tickets available for that event in Edinburgh. Go to uh, the Champions of Tennis website, the Brodie's Champions of Tennis, as it's called, and an absolutely cracking event that promises to be too, with Wimbledon to follow, Catherine, and uh, who's your pick? For Wimbledon? Yeah. Oh, crikey. You, know, you, you can adjust it just before, but this is early starters picks for the to two titles. Early picks for Wimbledon. Well, this is... This, the thing is, I have predicted Federer to win another slam, haven't I? And yes, given, you have. Given that I've done that, and, I, and every time I do that prediction and I reiterate it and set it more in stone which I seem to have done in the past I think well Wimbledon is the most likely one so surely if I stand by my prediction that Federer is going to win another slam I have to at some point predict him to win a slam so maybe 
Maybe I should predict him to win Wimbledon this year. Maybe I just have. <laughs> I don't know. Is that what I just did? Yes, she did. We've got it on record. You heard it here first. Catherine Whittaker says Roger Federer, Wimbledon champion for an eighth time. Do you think that's an outlandish prediction? Not at all. No. Not at all. He, you know, if he's in, if he plays anything like he's played the first four or five months of this year, he's going to take some stopping on that court. It really is. I, I still think Andy Murray's going to play his best tennis since last year when he gets to Wimbledon. Um, whether it'll be enough, we'll have to wait and see. That's not a prediction, David. If, no. if ever there was a non-prediction, that right there was it. Come on. I'm going for Andy Murray to successfully defend his title. There you go. And his Aegon Championship's title, maybe. No, I think he's going to win Wimbledon, yeah. No, there are no maybes in predictions. That's not a word that features in a prediction. I think... Uh, I don't think I should give a prediction on Queen, should I? Because I work there. It's not fair. But at Wimbledon, Andy Murray's going to win. There you go. That makes it interesting. Because we've all said, we've both said the same for French. So there we go. We, but you've said we can change our predictions. So actually, this is all meaningless. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoyed listening to this meaningless tennis podcast. Let's be honest, it's all hot air at the end of the day. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll be back speaking to you soon. Take care, Catherine. See you soon. Au revoir. Au revoir. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.